the future. A relentless, desperate wasteland ravaged by nuclear war. With the destruction of the internet and search engines such as Google, accurate information about the past is traded like currency. Two brave travelers are commissioned with the dangerous task of going back through time to gather as much information as they can to find out about the late 20th and early 21st centuries in hopes that a future society may rebuild what was lost and avoid the horror of a smoldering radioactive planet. But there is a catch. The traveler's journey back across eons of time is a one-way trip, leaving them stranded in the past. There's no way to communicate their findings to the future other than burying reinforced time capsules in the ground. In the hopes that one day recordings such as these will be unearthed to provide a glimpse of the world that once was. This is the mission of the crispy coated robots. And it must succeed. Hey, it's Jim. And it's Joseph. Wait, is that Joseph? I don't know. It sounds like uh, a Muppet, doesn't it? I'm getting, a, I'm getting, a, I'm, I'm getting an upgrade, guys. Okay. Well, <laughs> one of those- this is George, and uh, welcome to episode 97 of Crispy Coded Robots. Wow. Crazy. Uh, crazy, crazy, because th- this canister here, look, it's got a counter on it. 117 and 35. Oh, wow. So it's counting down. What happened? We've never had this before. What happens when it finishes? What happens if we finish the show up? before the canister, canister goes off? Oh, that'll <laughs> that'll that'll never happen. Oh wow! But, and on, look on the side, it's just gotten because I didn't get a list. It just says movies twenty twenty one. Is that best movies of twenty twenty one or worst movies or? I'm hoping it's best. I mean, we could just go with best. I think that would be better than having the worst go in the future. Don't I- you think? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I, th- I think we need to talk about movies that we, we want the future to consider. I, I think, uh, I think you know, put some, uh, he'll balance it out. <laughs> oh, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. That's so just, yeah, so I guess terrible. because there's only one topic and that means that we get 10 of these. Is that well? There's only me? slots for for ten slots, so but there's no ah. second topic. That's what I'm saying. So I guess we get ten of them. I right? don't. No, there's I think we do five here, each. But I can't. Five I can't each and debate because yeah, that's probably the best way to do it because that way we can get, come up with a really. Solid wait, wait. Thing. I'm I'm so confused. So okay, so we're just doing ten, right? Ten best I'm, movies. Five, five from me. Five from you. Five from Jim. Yes, and then whatever that best. 10 of those are uh, make it in the canister. So basically, okay. uh, you know, there'll be five movies that won't make it in unless we, we have some repeats too. You know, we can have. Okay. Well, we got, we got 10 slots. So if y'all all agree on my five, then nah, there's can, one we don't. I, we I, already, I, I, uh, I know that's in your mind. We right already now. know. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and uh, take, uh, start with uh, Joseph. What is your number five best movie of 2020? Okay. N- number five. I, the way, the way I, I, I did this guys is that I sort of went by movies that surprised me. Movies that moves, moved me somehow. Uh, and uh I had to put one category by itself and said, okay, which one's the best out of this category? And that is superhero movies. 
Uh, and, and my superhero movie that I'm offering is the suicide squad. I can't believe this. This is my number five. It oh, really is. Wow. Well, there you go. Okay. Right. Uh, and I think that the, I'm going to let, I'm going to let George describe this, the summary of it, uh, with it, but I'll be brief on why I chose this one. It's real simple. The first movie was boring as hell. Oh, the yeah. second movie, uh, birds of prey, just the sequel, just, just, it, I, I don't know if you call it, it was a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> and then this one comes out and I am, completely blown away because it's exactly what a superhero movie is supposed to be, which is that it offered something new. It wasn't the same boring tale of someone just getting superpowers and learning how to deal with them or having daddy issues. And then, you know, it, 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 it was fun. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, what's his, what's the director's name? Gun, uh, James, uh, James Gunn. Yeah, yeah James so Gunn. He, he's the guy that did Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. So it's that just kind of mindless fun. That's why it's on my list, too. And and that's it. You enjoy this movie. It's not dark or anything like that. Now, uh, obviously, I, I, I'm picking this over uh, the Spider-Man movie, which is fantastic. It's great and all that. But I felt that one leaned a little bit more on nostalgia because everyone's so like, wow, look, all the villains that they brought back and they brought back all the original uh, Spider-Mans. It worked. It was great. It was successful. Uh, the other one was Shea Chen or whatever, the Ten Rings. Uh, and everyone's talking about that. I felt like those I've seen it before, but this one was completely what original. About the so, Eternals, that, oh, <laughs> good lord, yeah. Uh, that one I just had problems with altogether. So, yeah. George, why don't you tell the people what this what this great, great story is about? Because grand, so, grandpa's done telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you about the suicide squad <laughs> back in my day. Um, <laughs> Again, much of this has to do with uh, James Gunn writing and, and directing it because he knows how to do ensemble stuff. Uh, first of all, I, I wanted to say this is the first R-rated film ever to be filmed in IMAX. So it has that to its credit, if nothing else. But it's just silliness for me from the very first frame. Uh, I've got more serious dramas on, on my list, but I enjoy the fact that this is just pure escapism, like Joseph said, it doesn't set out to do anything, but just to give you a good popcorn, you know, hour and a half. Uh, it's got Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, uh, Peacemaker, which is hilarious. Uh, and it's got the best 10 minutes of any uh, opening 10 minutes of any superhero movie of all time. And if you if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. If not. You're going to enjoy the first 10 minutes, uh, but it's just dumb and it's fun. And, um, you know, it, it, his priority, James Gunn said that his priority was to, instead of making a perfect movie, make it fun. And it, it really shows uh, even uh, Sylvester Stallone uh. as King Shark in there. Um, but the, the plot is basically... You have this uh, task force. What are they called? Uh, task, I think Task Force X or something. Yeah, right? yeah. There are a bunch of ex or criminals that are yeah. in prison. You know, super villains. And they fly to South America somewhere, 
And there's this remote island and its government is thrown overthrown by these anti-American revolutionaries. And they have to destroy this Nazi era uh, kind of laboratory that's working on something called Project Starfish. And I don't want to go into too much about that. Thank but you. it's hilarious yeah. because when you see what Project Starfish is, it's like, OK, I didn't think this movie could get any crazier. And then it I mean, it I just smiled the whole time. Uh, but again, makes my number fifth uh, slot for the year because it's just fun escapism. It's just yeah, perfect. Kudos to Viola Davis for playing uh, the real evil character in this one. She's absolutely brilliant in it. Uh, and uh, I, I want to say this. I'm, I'm so glad, uh, George, that you sort of left back on this. I'm hoping that in this show, guys, that we don't do spoilers. I think that this should be a non-spoiler show if we can help it, just because uh, I'm going to do the whole crying game. Jim Kavachik, if you talk about my voice anymore, he's laughing at me, ladies and gentlemen. We laughing. didn't have any spoilers. <laughs> We were we very polite when we talked about the movies. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, you're a plantation owner in Tennessee. I don't know how that happened. I, I don't either. I don't know. Let's start talking about Tommy Lee, how he got nervous soon. Uh, like, Tommy got nervous before the cake. But anyways, uh, no, I, th I think this is great. I just don't want us to do a crying game kind of thing with this show, uh, yes. giving away spoilers, because these are all good movies that people should go see. And yes. uh, if you haven't seen them, please do. Yep. So, Jim, what is your number five? My number That's five, our number kind of five. With you guys, I did I did uh, little categories here. I wanted to get my best comedy, make sure our comedy was in there. And I really I like this movie so much. I started it right after I watched it. Um it's uh, by Kitaro Sakari. Uh, I know I destroyed that name, but Bad Trip with Eric Andre and Little Ray Howard, <laughs> uh, which was, you know, I usually don't like the kind of the jackass movies where they do the uh, pranks on real people. Like I did. I thought Bad Grandpa was pretty good with Johnny Knoxville, but this movie had a lot of heart to it. And the gags were just so uh, <laughs> over the top uh that uh it, it really worked well into the plot and then you know we talked about this before i think we talked in private about there's good tiffany haddish and there's bad tiffany haddish <laughs> this yes. is a good tiffany haddish who's chasing him chasing basing them across the country he uh the the, the, the loose uh plot is basically eric andre who i've been a fan of and it's good to see him get his own movie he had his own kind of crazy show on cartoon network but um to uh he wants to to chase this uh, love of his from high school across the country to go visit her in New York. And they end up taking uh, Tiffany Haddish's car. Cause she's in, she's in jail, but she escapes and chases them and you have the whole bad trip, but you have some so, sounds like spoilers to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the plot. That's the plot right there. Oh, that's okay. the plot. Yeah. You have some, great I don't think you can spoil this one because it really is a vignette kind of thing. They set up different scenes and that, and that that's the brilliance of this movie, which is that what they do is they, they, they try to embark um, I, I, what you would say is that there, and, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the brilliance of this movie is that they set up these scenes. Uh, but what they do is rather than having uh, background players or anything like that, they actually usual people that aren't in on the joke. Yes. Oh, and, wow. and, yeah. and, and so it, it's sort of this avant-garde art because they're performing in front of the, these people who are not aware that a scene is going on. And what they do is they sort of sew all these different scenes together to make an overall arc. And so that's we, what, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, they show he, when, uh, 
they finished the film, uh, Eric Andre showed it to Sasha Baron Cohen because it's that same kind of feel. I was going to say, would they have this without Borat? But yeah. in, no, in, this, uh, yeah. in this movie, it, instead of showing the badness of people, it's it's kind of amazing. It shows the goodness of people that people want to actually help these guys and not give them up. Like in the, there's a restaurant where the, she come, Tiffany Haddish comes in and interrogating everybody. Did you see where they went? You know, and then also there's a there's a, uh, there's a scene, a, a life threatening scene where everybody's like praying, you know, and even a scene where in a zoo with the most ridiculous thing happening. Don't, don't really. give that one away. I'm the zoo away, scene have, is the pinnacle. You have the kindness it's of strangers praying for this person who's in who's who's in a zoo cage. And <laughs> it's, it's the most ridiculous, absurd thing, but it is. It, it really does. You're right, Jim. I think that's what makes the movie work is that you actually see the kindness and the patience of people uh, in these outrageous situations there you know what Sasha uh, Cohen does is he exposes people for you know being terrible people but this is this really turned out to be the opposite which was one of the things I really liked about it so bad trip is my number five pick for best film all of right 2021 so uh now to you nice. Joseph uh hopefully you'll be able to get the voice <laughs> back straight <laughs> It's 2021, not 1921. It, it, it's, 20, it's 2021, and, you know, it, it's, it's, we're, we're sorry towards in here. I know we want these shows to be evergreen, but I think 2021 is trying to take me out uh, in the <laughs> final days of the year. Okay, so uh, this is, uh, you know, I whenever I went to graduate school, uh, I got a degree in media studies, and one of the things that we studied was author th- uh, theory uh, about cinema. And, you know, for an auteur, a person to be considered to be auteur, it's like you look at the scope of their work and you can see that they sort of have a a consistent voice that you can say, yes, this is so-and-so's picture because of the way it's shot, the way the dialogue, the acting, everything. And uh, I have two auteurs that I really sort of mentioned in my list. The first auteur is uh, that of Wes Anderson and The French Dispatch. Uh, this is such a delight. Uh, I like Wes Anderson because when you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you you there's a cadence, there's a flow. It's almost like its own language. It's a dialect uh, of the way the characters are. It's this sort of melancholy. No one gets too upset or anything like that uh, and obviously bill murray is wes anderson's muse because he's in everything and so this uh this is a great one it involves three short stories that are will together and it's this fictional the actual title of the movie is called the french dispatch of liberty uh kansas evening sun okay so it's this this little Kansas City newspaper and uh, doing European stories from French so people can subscribe and see what it's like to live in Europe and all that. And this one is just they uh, this this was just amazing to me. I had so much fun with it. Each story is great. Uh, this is my so, number one, Joseph. This is my number one. So, well, then, Jim, I figured it was going to be because I know you saw it. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit more about it? Because no, I, Grandpa I just, here... I, you know, we talk about Wes Anderson and we talk about some of the stuff he's done. I think you and I saw Rush, uh, Rushmore together. You know, oh, my God. So life changing. Um, but I think this one, he really took it to the next level with the animation, with the with the with the having people stop in the background. Uh, just the, the the whole black and white of the first story with uh, Benicio del Toro uh, <laughs> was really Which well is done. fantastic. I mean, it's it's almost and then the uh, the, the final story with the. Um, 
Jeffrey Wright, I believe. I mean, it's kind of like a James Baldwin type character. So I right. mean, it's 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 very so much layers to this movie. The animation, even the Owen Wilson beginning on the bike. I mean, it just sets up like such a world. And he's done it before with Tannenbaums and stuff, but this one really set up this complete world. You felt like you're in the newspaper in the stories when he did it. And I thought it was probably, I think it's his best. Yeah. I would say that this was like, you know, the closest movie that I can think that he did to this one was the fantastic Mr. Fox, oh, yeah. uh, you know, which, which is great, but it's all animation. And this one was a mix and uh, it is, it is just a different world. That's the whole point of it. Uh, it is like watching a great Woody Allen movie. You know, you get to watch a master at what they do do it well. So there you go. The first my <laughs> number one and Joseph's oh. number four. He's just so Sorry. excited he had to cough about it. But uh, <laughs> wow. this damn upgrade's gonna kill me, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> you didn't even do a George C. Scott impersonation either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh George, what so, is your number four? Can, can you see my shirt? I see it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. This I'm wearing my Sparks shirt. Uh my fourth movie is a documentary. Uh, by director Edgar Wright, the gentleman that did uh, Baby Driver, amongst other things. This is his first uh, documentary. It's called The Sparks Brothers, and it's a documentary about Russ and Ron uh, Mal um, and the various exploits of their band, Sparks, who has been around forever, okay, since the 70s. And um, it's kind of this, it's interesting, this underground phenomenon that, uh, has always kind of been there right under the surface for pop music. But uh, the director, uh, right, he kind of methodically goes through their disc discography, which is saying a lot because they've got like 25, 26 albums, just highlighting different pop experiments and uh, all these bizarre lyrics. Uh, and it's got everybody from Beck to Todd Rundgren to Flea, Weird Al, Duran Duran, uh, even writers like Neil Gaiman, uh, there's a moment where Mike Myers, the actor Mike Myers, pops up. And at the end of it all, though, the viewer is, it's kind of interesting because you know more about them and still you don't know about them. Um, as much as it's taken their journey and what they've done and accomplished, there's still this fascination and affection for these weirdos uh, and their even weirder music at, at the end. And, um, but uh, Sparks, the well, the Sparks brothers. This is an honorable mention for me. I thought it was really well done too. Almost the same kind of concept, a lot of animation, a lot of fun stuff that Edgar Wright put in there and the, the black and white interviews with everybody. I'm really kind of uh, style. And then also, I mean, just talk about the band switching to being like this rock kind of thing to new wave. And now they're doing movies like Annette, <laughs> which I, I don't I, know if that's anybody else's list, but, um, but yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, a lot of music documentaries come out, but it was, it was, it was one of the best. It, on my it own has version. the familiar things that you expect from a music documentary and then it, but it has fun with it at the same time. So a uh, very stylized kind of documentary um, and somehow still perpetuating the mythos of, of these two brothers. Uh, I, I, I agree. This, this, this is on my honorable mention as well, George, uh, because it, it, it hit one of my things, which is it was a complete surprise. It's one of those things that I, I saw the trailer for it. And I was like, who are these guys? And you have people like Beck talking about how, 
everyone they're, they're sort of the musician's musician uh everyone that's really into the music business has some type of reference to the sparks uh being influential and i thought well i need to watch this and i watched it and i was like holy hell why do i know about this band because uh you sort of watch all they're doing and and they were one step ahead of the game for some reason they just didn't get recognized for it so uh yeah this is a good one this is a um, there's a quote that all pop music is rearranged Vincent Clark or rearranged Sparks. And that and that's the truth. Yeah. All pop yeah. music kind of stems from stuff that they they kind of put out there for people, but they've never been accepted mainstream. Good, right. good stuff. All right. So my number four is what I consider the best superhero movie is Spider-Man and No Way Home. I did like Suicide Squad too for just for the uh but this one to me um, kind of was like the perfect uh, superhero movie. It also kind of, like you said, p- plays on nostalgia, Joseph, but also pays off everybody who's seen the movies um, since the 2000s when Tobey Maguire first came. It also was kind of special for my, my son. He was like six years old when he saw Tobey Maguire. I'm thinking about, hey, I saw him at you know, Deerbrook Mall. We saw him when he one of his first movies and just an experience with the, the Green Goblin. And now enjoying it now with my daughter, we're going back and watching the movies after seeing this movie because they're like, why is the Green Goblin so mean? Well, let me show you. <laughs> we watched Spider-Man yeah. the other night. So um, I think it uh, was really well done. I'm a big fan of Doctor Strange and the moving worlds and stuff like that. So I thought it was great to have that kind of crossover with uh spoiler strange and of course i mean they threw little nuggets <laughs> out to people they had daredevil as his lawyer in one scene <laughs> spoiler <laughs> that was kind of cool and hey. uh, but I, I just thought the whole movie was really well done uh any movie that starts off with talking heads i zimbra and ends with uh <laughs> it ends <laughs> with uh de la soul three is the magic number that's nice. yeah really makes my list so i thought it was i would say go ahead no, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right for putting this on here. Like I said, I just wanted to put on one superhero movie. So that's why I chose the Suicide Squad. But I will say that this movie had everything to lose. It had everything to lose. And for a movie to come off as well as it did. I mean, it worked. That was that's a surprise because how many times have audiences been disappointed with things that have been built up? So, okay, perfect example in this canon and all that. Go back and think about how excited everyone was about Spider Man Three. Okay, and that's the miracle. This movie, it yeah salvages that film. It salvages the Amazing Spider Man. That's what I'm saying. It it builds it up. Yeah, it actually uses those. I mean, they could have easily said, hey, we're not going to use these characters because the movie sucks, you know, but they ended right. up using the Sandman. They ended up using, you know, that whole thing. So and it, it was a redemption it, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I mean, I have no problem. If this makes a list, I have no problem with it because. All right. So that's my number four on now to Joseph's number three. What you got? OK, coming in at number three. Uh, uh, I, you know, this one by my second auteur, if you will, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Uh, gosh, what 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 a great movie. I mean, this is getting a lot of critical acclaim and all that. And uh, it is a coming of age story set in 1973. Uh, it, it's about this 15 year old uh, kid named Gary Valentine that is sort of a hustler. He's a child star actor, if you will. And he 
has a relationship with this 25 year old uh, woman that is sort of lost in her own world or whatever. And you think, oh, that sounds really gross and all that. But the way Anderson shoots this thing is very tender. It's humorous. Uh, but the best part about it, I think, truly, again, uh, just just like, you know, uh, we were talking about Anderson making his own world. This is exactly uh uh, what what you know uh, Paul Thomas Anderson does is he creates worlds and there is no huge story here. This is about two individuals who are growing up in this very specific time in this very unique place and it's quirky. But the best part about it is the people that he uses. Uh, the casting of this was fantastic. Okay, so we got to talk a little bit about them. Uh, the 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 main character is played by uh, Cooper Hoffman, who is uh, the son of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Thank you. And he chose him because he he did not want a professional actor. He didn't want these kids that were in the business. And the reason why is because he was having to play against uh, Alana Haim, who is uh, part of uh, one of the sisters of the Haim group. Okay, the singing group and all that. He actually uses not only the other sisters in the movie, but he uses their parents as well. So like the whole family is playing themselves. The characters go by their first names, their real first names and all that. And there's such a tenderness to this uh, that you, you walk away and you just feel like, wow, that was great. But like when you try to describe this film to someone, that's why I'm not trying to do it here. Uh, people are going to be like, well, that seems like it's about nothing. It's it's more about the experience itself. It's just so well done, uh, you know, uh, where I have such, you know, uh, tr great feelings about, you know, his other work. I feel like this one is his most sincere work. And it's because it's a small story and he doesn't let it get away from him. You know, what was the what was the one that I just it got too much to me. Uh, the, 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 the one Magnolia. with the frogs in Magnolia, Magnolia, Magnolia yeah. I felt like got away from him. Uh, that's why I, I didn't like it as much. I felt like, well, it's because he's not so worried about telling, you know, a beginning middle end story as much that he just sort of lets things sort of happen that sometimes it can get away from you. But on this one, he really contains it. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you the future needs to see this movie yeah, because it's, it's good stuff. This, this right. is a good one. And the special effects, uh, those aliens, <laughs> unbelievable. They don't I mean, ruin it. There's no <laughs> aliens. This is, this is 1973. It's the and beginning. They, it's, it's LA. It's the beginning of, uh, it's the beginning of the gas crisis, which we've mentioned in previous episodes and all that, but it's just about this kid that is, he's a, he's a hustler, man. And the stuff that they get away with in 1973, people are going to question go, there's no way a 15 year old kid could do this. But I'm telling you right now, he based most of the story on actual real stories from yes. a friend of his that was a child actor at the time that did most of this stuff. But the, the, the breakout part of it, and this isn't a spoiler, this is something for you to look forward to. Yeah, be, be careful. Brad, Brad Cooper, Bradley Cooper 
is oh, is John Peters freaking freaking oh, yeah. amazing? Like you yeah. watch it and the 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 screen just lights up and you're just you're just wowed by it. I mean, to do so much with such little time on the screen is amazing. So and yes, for definitely. the future too. I mean, just to, to let them know, Licorice Pizza is not actually a pizza; it's a record store. So that's pretty much just to let them know. Uh, I didn't know that. No, I, 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 I didn't know that. No, if, well, they, if they don't see the film. They don't, they don't try to eat a licorice pizza. You know, it's actually, a, it was an old record store that yes. shut down, like Tower Records. Cris, Cris, crispy Coated Robots does not condone eating. the eating of licorice pizza. on pizza. Now, now right. one of the things I, I will say, one, one more thing, and that's it. He shot this uh, on 35 millimeter film uh, using old lens so he could get that 1970s texture to it. And it totally comes off on the screen. So that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and there's Joseph doing his voice from um, uh, Little Big Man at the beginning. I knew General George Custer. <laughs> I was at the pile Little Big Hard. <laughs> uh, George, what is your, what's your number three? All right. So this is based on Thomas Savage's 1967 novel of the same name. The Power of the Dog. And uh, director uh, Jane uh, Campion, who uh, directed The Piano back in the early uh, 90s, uh, directed this. And the story, I don't, I don't want to share too much, but uh, set in the 1920s Montana, uh, Benedict uh, Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, uh, Todd on, on Breaking Bad. They're brothers, they're wealthy ranchers in Montana. Uh, and during this cattle drive that they have, they encounter a widow and her 20 something son, uh, the widow, uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and then Cody uh, Smith McPhee, I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, this, this is my number two, George. Oh, okay. Oh, Excellent. Well, Excellent. Honorable mention for me. So it's got a good shot. But uh, <laughs> Cumberbatch is so cruel to both of them, but Plemons characters, and this isn't sharing too much, uh, but he ends up marrying the woman and takes them back to, to live at their, their ranch. Uh, interestingly, Dunst and Plemons are married in real life. Um, and, uh, but the story really begins when they make it back to the ranch and start to live and, and everything. And if you've already seen this movie, you'll appreciate how Dunst and uh, Cumberbatch, they were so into their characters, they would not speak to each other during the filming of, of the show. They, they would not casually talk to each other. And uh, he is so chilling uh, and just burns every second that he's on, on the screen. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting <laughs> to, to watch him. And, um, I'll tell you, he is not a nice guy at all. Not at all. Uh, yeah. And and kudos to to Cody Smith McPhee uh, because hit the vulnerability that he is, you know, towards this aggressive older man uh, who is somewhat in authority over him. Uh, it it really makes you feel uncomfortable. I always love it when a movie makes me forget that I'm watching a movie uh, and this one does it. Uh, and I know it's like, Oh, well, there's the guy that plays Dr. Strange and plays Sherlock and all of this in my mind. I know that, but I'm taken out of that. And, uh, and I see this character that, that he's playing um, and it just, it draws it in. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, 
uh, about award ceremonies uh, looking favorably upon upon these performances. But uh, the power of the dog. Did you want to say anything about? It? Yeah, I mean, no. Just uh, everything you said, I completely agree with. This is this is an actor's vehicle. You know, there's some movies where it's about the story. Some movies it's about the cinematography and directing and all that. Sometimes it's just pure acting and i feel like that's what this is whenever you're watching you're watching an ensemble class cast granted it's only small it's it's made of you know four or five people uh in it and everyone is at the top of their game and whenever it comes together it's just mesmerizing it's a slow burn I'm not giving anything away. It's I'm not spoiling anything here. Whenever I say you're not looking for big explosions, you're not looking for big surprises, uh, nothing like that. You're just sort of watching it and you're entranced. You're totally entranced. And that is done by the power of the acting. So, uh, yeah, the the power of um, the dog. The power of the dog. There you go. uh, After I saw it and you don't want to, I'm not going to give away anything, but it does, it doesn't play down to the audience. It all makes you think. Actually, I saw three or four different theories towards the end, about the end of the movie. I read about right afterwards, which I'm not going to. So what's it? it, Was this a short story or a novella? I don't think it was a a novel. It wasn't a novel. It's a it, novel. Yeah. Really? I, yeah. I, I I see it more as a novella. You know, it's such a short kind of story, but uh, great, fantastic. But uh, I'm surprised. I was like, did they just adapt this from a short story or what? So, no, it's a uh, uh, sequel, George. The novel, the, the, the Power of the Cat, which is the second. Uh, yeah, they're they're getting Mike Myers uh, to reprise his cat. Meow. <laughs> uh, and I will say uh, it. I like the fact that I entered it not knowing really anything about it. And I did appreciate how it just kind of takes its time because, I, you know, the first, you know, third of the movie, I'm like, what, what, are, what is this? What are we really about here uh, with it? And I, and I like that because I hate a yeah. movie that within the first 15 minutes, I can plot out the whole movie for you. Um, and I will say the special effects on this one with the aliens, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Daniel Craig and Harrison sabotage. Ford show up right in the middle of the desert. <laughs> He's tried to sabotage every movie that we present here with aliens. There are no aliens. Let's take a little intermission. I'll come back with my number three. So I believe we can reach into the intermission jar here. Oh, we have bears. Very moody bears. (laughs) Okay, here we go. My. Somebody needs some coffee. <laughs> See, their bears are draw, driving. Uh, is are they like dragging something across? The- Is that it? 
I I don't know. No one of those sounded like Chewbacca to me. They're kind of. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt them. You know, if it's waiting for one to say, Mister Butterworth. Okay, bad news bears. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so my number three, I just saw last night. I really enjoyed it. I was actually expecting something else, uh, but I really enjoyed Andrew Garfield. This is the second movie by Andrew Garfield in my list. I won't give away the uh, other one. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. With Tick, Tick, Boom, which is uh, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, Hamilton guy and also in the Heights guy. But Now, this is the musical about um, the writer of the Hurt Locker, right? Oh, <laughs> I, oh God. I, I kind of stayed away from it because I liked Hurt Locker so much, uh, yeah. but it's not Hurt Locker. Right. He's going to Yeah, all jokes go best in three. One more Hurt Locker reference and then I'll move on. No? Okay. No. <laughs> the aliens in this. Okay. They're amazing. <laughs> there we go. We needed like a third thing. Okay. So uh, Jonathan Larson's the guy who wrote Rent. And I was always thinking because Rent, you know, does have a lot of uh, uh, gay issues in Rent. I th- always thought in the guy who wrote Rent must be gay. And I This is just personally what I thought. And after seeing the movie, it's a completely different story. Uh, the guy, apparently Jonathan Larson is a straight male. Uh, who, you know, had a lot of friends affected by, you know, HIV, yes. as we see in the film. And you could see the formations of Rent as he's as, as Tick, Tick, Boom goes on. But the music in this one is great. Um, uh, as a struggling songwriter trying to do a showcase to try to show to other other folks to try to get a, a play produced, you know, because he's broke, he's working at a diner. The music is all just reflects it perfectly. And I, I really like the performance too by Bradley Whitford as Stephen Sondheim. If you've ever seen an interview with Stephen Sondheim, he got his ticks all down, he's got his eyes uh, perfect. And and, and uh, Andrew Garfield learned how to sing for a year for this. And he sounds kind of like, like a Billy Joel to me a little bit in some so- songs, but Everybody thing comes together. The music is incredible. Uh, I really liked it. I, I mean, Joseph actually, uh, he hit me earlier in the week. He said some great tunes. And I was like, okay, how good they could be. I said, they're pretty dang good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but I did like it. And every song moved the story forward. It wasn't like, you know, let's just sing a song. And there's one real cool part in it. It's not a spoiler, but there's a part where they adapt uh, a song from uh, its original song, but also has elements from Sunday in the Park with George. And they have all these great Broadway people in this scene singing along with uh, Andrew Garfield, which is kind of cool. Uh, I thought I'm not a big Broadway guy, but I thought it was kind of cool from some of the outside in to see this. But um, and, and, you know, I don't want to spoil the, the end of the movie, but uh, it, it does have a very sad ending. But um you know, very happy life. You know? <laughs> so, so, how do you not know what the ending of this is going to be? So, so I mean, to 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 just sort of elaborate on this. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately I I didn't put a musical on here and on, on my list. So I guess I'm spoiling what my list uh, is turning out to be. But uh, if I had to put a musical on here, because this is sort of the year of the musical, uh, there, there, there's at least five major musicals that's up this year. Uh, I would put this as number one. This is definitely on my honorable mention. It's great. But this is basically uh, Tick, Tick, Boom is actually his his second play, his second musical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's in between his first, which is what Tick, Tick, Boom is about. Tick, Tick, yeah. Boom is about him making his first musical, which is about, you know, the future and it's and, weird though joseph did they just put this in the movie because he's talking about how people are watching their screens and and watching each other and all the rich people elite i'm like if he put that like in in 1990 when he wrote it i'm like this guy was definitely onto something you know he was i mean he was talking he he's making reference
reference not to he wasn't making reference to uh, uh, YouTube as much as he's making uh, references to all the reality shows on MTV. That's what that's what that first play was about. And the second play, Tick, Tick, Boom, is about his experience doing a play. And this happens all before Rent, yeah. uh, which is where he explodes. And it's his third and final musical. There is no spoiler in it. Basically, the man in true life dies before like yes. one week before rent goes up it's like the night before uh, and, at least they said in the film uh, I mean, yeah like, right night before so i mean it, it's sort of a tragedy because he really did change uh the the importance of this particular film here uh and this is what lynn manuel who is a huge fan and that's why he directed this so it's you can tell that there's a lot of love and a lot of respect uh by the director in this film for the man because uh, a lot of people credit him to revolutionizing the modern musical before Broadway was dead. Yeah, Basically, I mean, he says it, it was the, just a bunch of revivals of stuff. Revivals yeah, after revivals. You know, there's nothing original. That's why he's so upset when his play, his first play gets rejected. So that's why he does this stage play. And that's I always like to at the end when they show the real person in the credits doing it. Right. See how, how great Garfield do did doing the, the mimic of of him during the actual uh movie so but uh yeah because, I, yeah that's a good uh, i've got to say andrew garfield really surprised me so uh, much so right um, right not that i thought he was a bad actor but he just takes us to a whole nother level uh um, he does I, His... I was shocked i really was okay good so one jim very good one tick, tick boom so we go to joseph for your number two does you have it already right? I, I already did it yeah which oh, is so it's a power, power of the dog. Yeah. All right. Uh, George, what is your number two? So my number two submission is the long awaited epic remake or reboot or whatever you want to call it. of Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, director. I thought you were going to say the Dane. Matrix. <laughs> oh, <laughs> George and I yeah. can, can, we don't have enough time to go long on about the Matrix. Of the Matrix. <laughs> that, that's a whole nother show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it distills the first half of, of the 1965 novel, uh, Dune, and it's got a little something for everyone. It's, it's first of all, talking about the auteur type of stuff. He, he definitely has a style, this director. Uh, so it's a feast for the, the senses. There's plenty of action. There's all this backstabbing of these nobles that would make Shakespeare's mouthwater, uh, sword fight battles, and the evils of colonialism and uh, indigenous indigenous exploitation. You got a space messiah, and of course, giant rideable sandworms uh, on the desert planet. So it's basically Lawrence of Arabia in space with space witches and space worms. And uh, I. This is one of those things I was eagerly, it was supposed to be released in 2020 and uh, me and a buddy at work, we took off that day, like a year in advance when we, when we got it. And of course, at the time, uh, due to COVID and, and things, they weren't able to release it then. So I had been waiting for this movie for about three and a half years. And um, th when you do, you're always kind of apprehensive because it's like, is this going to disappoint me? And uh, I think the, the the thing is, I can't watch the movie and not think about the novel because I've read the novel. I, I read the novel, this particular novel, uh, about every year and a half or so. So I can't watch it 
the way, Jim, that you might watch it, not having all those things from, from the novel in my brain. Like I know, Oh, whenever she looked at him and said that, I know what that meant, you know, because there's like a, a whole page and a half of in, in the novel. But uh, I think um, just for the opening, uh, you know, for, for somebody that's new to this world and everything, I think it executes what it, it wanted to do. Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, but uh, it's uh, I enjoyed it. I've watched it at the theater, came home, HBO Max had it, and I watched it again that same night. And then a day later, I watched it again. And then I went back and watched it in the theater. And every time, uh, just found more to enjoy and uh, satiate my my doom need there. So, doom. This is uh, my number one uh, on it. So, uh, it definitely makes it into the canister and to George's, to George's point. Uh, so I, I've never read the novel, uh, with it. Uh, all I have to go by is the 1984 David Lynch version, (laughs) which, which is so campy that somehow it's become heartwarming. You know, you watch it, you know, the way I compare this, this one, the 2021 to the 1984 one, it's sort of like, watching uh the dark knight to the 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 batman that was done yeah. you know with 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 uh adam west <laughs> yeah you know yeah. it's just so campy and all that but this one it again sort of like spider-man it i felt like it lived up to the hype it had so much to lose on this and can we just talk about the soundtrack for a second okay oh, yeah. because oh. oh my god so <laughs> i i i got an advanced copy oh. I what? Okay, I got an advanced copy of this and watched it at home, and uh, the story was enough to make me just really love it. I waited uh, and and watched it again. The IMAX enjoyed it. Came back home, watched it again. So it's not just all special effects, which sci-fi movies can be, you know, all about spectacle. This is truly about a great story as well. Uh, the acting's incredible. They do a great job. It's it's part one. So the full title of this is part one, Dune part one, right? Uh, and so they're going to come out with a sequel. I can't wait for it. Uh, but I felt like finally they did the story right. So again, this is a movie that, that you know, does a story justice, you know, with it. So there you go, Dune. Yeah, so yeah. on my honorable mention, I actually watched it a couple of days ago. I did appreciate it. I remember I did see the 84 thing and was very confused. This was less and, and I love I love the 84 thing. I've I've got multiple copies of Lynch's because <laughs> what he gets right, uh, whether it's the scene with the Gom Jabbar or or some of those other scenes, what he gets right, I love. I have it on my computer, I have it on my iPad. Uh, but what he gets wrong, he really, really gets wrong. Uh, but um I, I, I love both versions. I can extrapolate things from the original 84 Dune and enjoy that just because, again, what he what he does well, he, he gets right. <laughs> if you look at these right. actors, though, for Dune, if you look at the actors like five years before it was made, you'd be like, wait, wait a minute. Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, you know, I mean, it right, just seems like right. I mean, you, have, you have these people, you're like, you're thinking this, this is going to be terrible, but it, it really does work. And I did like Stellan Starsgard as, oh the, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so good. The Incredible. Of a bird. <laughs> you, yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, casting on this is pretty amazing because these were people that were forward thinking and could see things that the average audience member couldn't see because, uh, uh, yeah, I would have never cast him in that role. Never, you know, and he's brilliant. Now, people it, it uh, reminds me of uh, the casting and I know we're off topic here, but uh, uh, there was a lot of controversy about Tom Cruise as Lassat in yeah. Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. They were like, oh, this is this is a disaster. And then he pulls it off. And that's what I feel about some of these actors in this. Like yeah. you say, if you just saw their name on paper, you're like, ah, no. There was uh, one even protest uh, the Timothy Chalmay, uh, Chalmay, was, you know. The, did you see the protest of the movie, though? There was. A lot of the Zendaya fans thought she wasn't on screen enough. Will will that be rectified in part two? Yeah, she's. Yeah, I mean, it's the, a story. The, again, the novel, Paul doesn't meet her until the halfway point in the novel. So I don't know how they could have, uh, you know, they, they introduce her at the beginning. She does the voiceover narration and you see a little bit of her. But now she she plays a much larger role in the second half of the book. And part two of, of do. Okay. This, but. this, where, this, where I'm going to get the, uh, the, the letters and that's fine. Send them over to me. Grumpy grandpa. I don't get her. She's like the, it. it, she's the it girl right now, but I don't get it. I don't see what she does on the screen. That's so amazing because everything that she's been in, I'm like, anyone else could have done that part just as well. Right, I don't know. There's grandpa one part. Gmail.com. No, no, please, please tell me a role that she's done that like only she could do it which defines to me a great actor. Like if I, if they do a part where I'm like, no one else could do that, but well, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't I'm going to take it. the high road and, and talk about Rebecca Ferguson as oh, Lady great. Jessica. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Yeah. Oh, oh my the gosh. Scene, Brilliant. The scene where she's outside. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to, this isn't so much of a spoiler, but she is outside the door of a room where her son is being tortured and they cut between both back and forth, back and forth. And I actually teared up watching her performance, feeling that she has basically put her son to death uh, through what she has been disobedient to her uh, sisterhood, if you will. Um, and I just, I think she was phenomenal. I liked her in Dr. Sleep. I don't know if you remember, she was Rose yes, the Hat. The Lady in the Hat, Dr. yeah. Dr. Sleep. And, uh, but this role here, I just adored every second she was on film. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So we're on to uh, my number two, which is uh, Kenneth Branagh's um, uh, coming of age uh, comedy Belfast. drama. Belfast. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Night. Very, uh, very great um, use of cinema. I, I love you have the uh, black and white world of what's going on with the the whole um, the turmoil and then you have the whole every time they kind of go into this kind of playland watch chitty chitty bang bang or something happens it's in color uh in the beginning of the movie's in color and the end of the movie's in color to kind of show you this kind of almost this wizard of oz reverse effect that hey this is kind of the dirt the gritty part of belfast here and this is the life we're living but there was some good stuff going on and uh, it actually was a big technical issue 
Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen that way, but they'd already spent so much money and they didn't realize it. And so All they right. just kept it. So uh, the white. newcomer is Jude Hill. He plays the, uh, the young boy, a great, great acting in it. So good. Everybody's so good. I, you know, we, and Joseph and I kind of talked about this, either Saren Hines or Judy Dench as the grandparents deserve some sort of best supporting actor award because he is so good. He's, you know, as far as like that wise, uh, that wise, uh, I don't know what you're showing me, uh, Joseph. Uh, why is I'm showing you the correct there, there's no belt in Belfast? I said Belfast, <laughs> I know, but it's spelled belt fast. There's no T, take out the T. Oh, 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 oh George. Okay, George sorry, is written sorry. Belfast. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I tried to be discreet. In, sorry. In Belfast. We live in Belfast, you live in Belfast, we live in Belfast. There's two sorry, different right, movies. Spinders. The Kenneth Rana one is Belfast. Mine I is called Belfast. I do know how to spell Belfast, but uh, yeah. Sure, the Protestant Sorry. and Catholics still fight, but it's Belfast, not Belfast. <laughs> That's what they're yeah, fighting we, about. We all saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang too, but we saw it in Belfast, not Belfast. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm 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 a huge uh, and Jim. You'll you'll have to tell me the actress's name. I'm a huge fan of the oh, Outlander. Uh, I, I could, could I can't pronounce her name too. I, I just say Outlander girl, Katrina Belfast. <laughs> Or whatever, but she's yeah, yeah she's yeah. really Belfast. good in this movie. Belfast. She, she she was she was in the uh Ford versus Ferrari yeah. uh the previous year yeah. and yeah. all that. And uh, you know, she she sort of has a modeling background. She's an absolutely beautiful woman, but uh her acting chops are just amazing in this. Uh and and like I said, this is one of those things that I feel like it's going to be, as far as awards are concerned, it's going to be a Belfast versus Dune for cinematography. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, Power of the Pope, Dog. I mean, they've already had some the, like, uh, film festivals where Power of the Dog and Belfast have gone back and forth. You these. know, just back and forth. This is beautifully shot. Some people are like, well, black and white is easier to shoot. And it's true. I mean, it has much more dramatic, more clean lines, especially when it's shot in HD uh, like it is. But what makes it work uh is is again uh, the acting and the scenes but the grandparents yes. scenes are just beautiful i and mean like, you're just like you said with licorice peach joseph i mean it's a small story i mean it's a family mm -hmm. kind of de dealing with the turmoil and making it through and and who knew that uh i know he was good in um uh the the what barb and star or whatever the jamie dornan guy but you know uh what's the what's the franchise he was in uh the uh 50 shades of gray who knew, oh yeah, yeah, you know, that's right. And, uh, does a great job as the dad. Redemption. It's yes. a redemption movie for him. <laughs> no, it really is. It really is, and it, it's it's well done. Uh, I, okay, so so honorable mention uh, uh, on this one for me because I loved it so much and all that. What I like about this is this is the magic of of movies to me is that you can be transported into a different time period in a different place and feel like you've experienced it. And that's what Belfast does. Hands off, you know, uh, kudos to Kith Brownell for making this thing so beautiful uh, because it really did, you know, when you're in it, when you're, you're, you're transported to a different world and it is, it has the backdrop. It has a very dramatic backdrop because this is the beginning of yeah. a 20 year civil war that's going on in Northern Ireland that has all this violence. And you can see the, the bigotry, 
uh, the persecution, all that going on there. But the story focuses on just one family and their own personal relationships with it, because you have to say that this is not about a Catholic family. It's about a Protestant family, but a Protestant family that's not very religious. And so they're looking beyond the bigotry, uh, because I think a lot of people tend to forget that this was not really as much about religion. Religion was an easy symbol to go with. The conflict really was about English occupation in Ireland. That's truly what it was about. And they saw through that. They're like, you know, people are using this religion to to make these easy distinctions and all that, yeah. but it's Hiding much more complicated. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's much more complicated than that. The great so, use of that is, is, so no matter how serious it got with, uh, you know, the whole uh, violence and stuff is you pop back into pop culture. Like they're watching Star Trek for the first time, you know, they're, uh, right. they, you know, they're getting these toys, these space toys and stuff like that. You're seeing that what normal family does just dealing with this crazy backdrop so all right so we I all have our just uh, if your, well, your list and my list are completely done uh we know that george has one more left and we actually know what the movie is but let's go ahead and do our why don't, why don't you why don't you guys talk about my final movie no well let's go why don't you talk about it get for there. me because your 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 movie is not on our honorable mentions just put it that way so let, let's just talk wait 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 more. wait i gotta count here do we have 10 we do One, have two, 10. three, four, there could five, be a major six, seven, out here, folks. eight, nine, ten. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. We have 10 so, on the list. So these movies that we've just said all can make the list, but we have one more. All right. You guys so are such just bastards. to be fair, um, honorable mention, uh, uh, Joseph, do you have some honorable mentions uh, for me? I want to I want to do some honorable mentions, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have you, you go last since you have the what last movie. Uh, to do so joseph what you got uh no i'm not gonna do any honorable mentions i'm i you know i feel like we talked about the ones that need to talk about so you okay. guys go ahead i do have some so uh the super I'm, bob einstein movie which i saw last night a documentary of super dave which really good uh just came out yesterday so i really I like that and i put that in my uh, honorable mentions dune is in my honorable mentions power of the dog pig with Nicolas Cage coming back and a, oh, yeah. that kinda, oh that's good that'd you know, be an honorable mention you're right kind of took me some other uh other place that I thought I'd go the Sparks brothers uh George's pick uh Free Guy I was I was really impressed by Free Guy I thought for a for a major uh movie they had a lot of nice little um undercurrent it was fun it was honestly fun. Free Guy I told my daughter Free Guy is better than the Matrix in yeah. terms of <laughs> easily uh, to be kind of the same thing it it's it's much better. So yeah. can we talk about some bad movies if we have time later on? Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, well, that's where I'm I can get done, more vocal. My list. So, uh, Val, which was the uh, documentary that's of Val, my, Val yeah. Kilmer yes. that had a lot of um, great footage that he took when he was, uh, you know, coming up. Rita Moreno's documentary, The Girl Who Just Decided to Go For It, was a great documentary. Summer of Soul, which I enjoyed, uh, which talked about the Harlem Music Festival. Uh, Together Together with Ed Helms. And Patty Harrison about uh, uh, surrogate and uh, great comedy. Uh, and then House of Gucci, which I saw in the theater. And for, for as much as people have talked about it with uh, Ridley Scott knows how to make a movie. And he knows how to make movies that you need to see in a theater. Get past the accents and you have a real fun, fun time at the movies. And Lady oh, Gaga yeah, is great yeah. in House of Gucci. So um, those are my honorable mentions. George, what are yours? So I've got King Richard. This is uh, about Venus and Serena Williams uh, and their father, their their coach and mentor, if you will, uh, Richard Williams, 
played by Will Smith. Still trying to get that Oscar, Will. He should uh, get it with this one. I mean, it's really good. His oh, yeah. performance is super strong. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Val, like you said, that one was a hard one to watch. Uh, there's a show called I Care A Lot, which is um, a comedy thriller film. Uh, Rosemund Pike, uh, Peter Dinklage, Diane uh, Weiss is on there. And one of my all-time favorite roles for her. Um, it's about Weist and her guardianship. She she's an older lady, and uh, these con men, con women, con people, whatever. Uh, that's really worth watching. Old Henry, which I just took a chance on. It's a western that takes place on an old homestead, uh, starring Tim Blake Nelson. He's uh, uh, Delmer O'Donnell in the uh, Brother Where uh, Where Art Thou. But uh, he takes in this injured man with a bag of cash and posse comes up and they're looking for him and everything. They have to figure that out. Uh, the French Dispatch, Pig, uh, and then one that I just stumbled across called Small Engine Repair. Uh, it's just kind of this seemingly casual reunion of these old, you know, these three friends in this out of the way repair shop. And uh, but there's this. A uh, little privileged, privileged young yuppie that uh, kind of pops in there, and I don't want to say a lot about it, but it uh, it's one that that engages you and very suspenseful. Uh, and it with again one of those that you watch it uh, about halfway through, and you're like, what What are we really watching here? And then they lower the boom on you. But uh, small engine repair. So those are my honorable mentions. We ready to get right, this George. over with here? What is your number one <laughs> movie of 2021? And and the gag for the listening audience is we the moment I saw this movie, I told these guys about it, and uh, they one of them hates it, and one of them <laughs> I'm well, I'm about to find out because he he went and saw it, but it's beautifully filmed, amazingly paced. I can't believe this movie. It feels like a 70s movie in its pacing to me. I can't believe that it was made in 2020, uh, but it's an epic fantasy adventure based on the classic Arthurian legend, The Green Knight. And it's a different take on this age old story. Again, takes its time in telling and leaves a lot open uh, to interpretation and symbolism in the images. But uh, director David Lowry gives us this gorgeous surreal fable set in King Arthur's world. Okay. And the Knights of the round table, uh, as his nephew goes on this quest full of ghosts and giants and beasts and magic and all the trappings of, you know, the material world, uh, and looking for fame and, uh, acceptance and everything. And, uh, it's, it's very episodic in structure. Okay. But it builds this tension from scene to scene, uh, and it's just this beautiful, dark nightmare. Dave Patel is is a Goyan, um, this insecure and uncertain wannabe knight who makes terrible choices. And then he has to kind of prove his honor, embarks on this quest for, for his honor. And the whole thing is just, to me, I know this, I'm not speaking for you, Joseph, but it is <laughs> this rich, just compelling meditation on morality and manhood and chivalry. Uh, and, and, you know, so if the, if I had to pin down a theme, instead of striving for fame and accolades, 
make sure that your ambitions are honorable and that you know as you're trying to achieve these things that dangers, you know, are kind of set in your path along the way. And that's going to reveal what you're really made of. You know, um, I heard a long time ago, this doesn't have anything to do with this, but if you want to find out what is in a sponge, you squeeze it and whatever's in that sponge is released. And so this character is definitely squeezed and you find out what manner of a person he is or isn't uh, through the course of this thing. But that's it, guys. You can go ahead and just mantle it. I know it's not making the canister. I can't believe that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, go I ahead. did give the Green Knight a chance and I actually, uh, I it is kind of a Christmas movie, I guess, because the thing happens, uh, the first event happens at Christmas and then and the, uh, and the last, the final the last event yeah. happens at Christmas. Yeah. So I was like, I said, hit George. I said, is this a Christmas movie? Uh, which might be debated about, you know, like Die Hard is like years afterwards, but um, it wasn't uh, Joseph has screamed terrible uncontrollably at when hearing the name of this film, uh, George has sung its praises. And I think it's somewhere in between for me. I didn't think it was as bad as Joseph said, and it wasn't as good as George said. So, but I did, <laughs> I did, I did like the ending. Uh, and I did like the, the, uh, costume design of the actual green Knight. I thought it was kind of cool, uh, looking. And then I like the, uh, I don't want to give away the ending, but I did like the, the, the way it ended. Um, uh, but I, if I had a top, if I had a top hundred, this would be like 99. So, uh, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know so, what I, I would say if we had a top 10 this would be number 11 how's that uh, <laughs> so wow time will prove me out I, I think, well, what I did you what did you think of the casting choice to have and i forget the actress's name but the love interest at the beginning is also the the female later on that takes his his picture. Did you catch that? I did not. It's, I did not same, catch that. It's the same actress. And the whole thing about his image being upside down and all the symbolism. Uh, I, th I think this is the problem where, where you enjoyed that. I just found it quite pretentious. Okay. This is where I felt like this was a simple story and it is a simple story. I mean, it is a very, very simple story. Uh, it's it, it goes along with uh, the play, the importance of being earnest, uh, where where you, you follow it, you go through all this stuff and it's like, oh, OK, it's real cute uh, at the end. OK, great. Uh, my my issue with it is that I felt like uh, because it was such a simple story and they had two hours and something minutes to tell it in that they really just this they got away from them this is where i feel like where everyone's giving accolades to to how deliberate everything was i felt like number one some of the symbolism was over the top for me and i felt like wow this is just this is this is i'm i'm not a fan of art for art's sake i feel like this was one of those things of uh, it's sort of like a guitar solo a guitar solo has a purpose to it. If it doesn't have a purpose, it's just someone just, you know, enjoying themselves uh, with it. I felt like that's what was George, happening for me. You enjoyed yourself too much on this one. There, there, there's that. a scene where he enjoys himself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole thing. I'm like, I'm Oops. like, but, but I, 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 I could see, I could see, I could see like that scene. It, it It's very much how I get critical of Tarantino. 
on certain Tarantino scenes, it's the same thing, which I'm like, he's doing this because he knows the reaction of the audience is going to be like, man, that was very cool and all that. But it's, it, it, it's distracting from the story itself. I felt like there was too many things distracting from the stories with it because I'm like, OK, we get it. We understand what it is as a temptation. We get it. You know, uh, so that's but but like I said, I say this. I completely respect George's opinion on it and the opinions of the several others. This is look, I'm yeah, telling a lot you right of people now. People like this movie. I mean, I mean a lot of people like it. It's going to be us. nominated for 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 best picture of the year for the Oscars. I guarantee it's gonna make their top ten uh on it. Uh, but for me, it just fell upon deaf ears because I was just like, no, I, 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 I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying this. And I wanted to enjoy. That was the whole thing I wanted to enjoy, but it felt like there was just too many attempts. It tried too hard. That that's my criticism. It tried too hard. Well, so there I, you go. I'm going to check in in five years from now and we're going to watch it and we're going to see. If, yeah, that, if maybe that, that, you just saw it on a on a bad day. You know? you know what? And 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 George, I am a huge believer. I'm a huge believer in this. You as an audience member have total responsibility, okay, of going in with the right attitude to see a movie. Because I've seen certain movies uh, that I'm just like, hey, that was my own fault. I went in there in a bad position. Uh, uh, one one that I will say is actually a story that George uh, Jim did. Jim gave me tickets to Natural Born Killers. Uh, it was it was a it was it was, it was like a sneak preview and all that. Yeah. Uh, his radio station was giving it away, and so I went. And the problem with it is the radio station was giving them away to like the wrong type of crowd. Um, and like in the middle of the movie, whenever I realized that the audience members were cheering for the killers, uh, I'm like, oh, the message is totally lost. And I hated the film. I hated the film because of the reaction that uh, that was happening with the audience and all that. And it took me a couple of years later to watch again. And I can enjoy for the intent that the picture was made. So I, 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 I had I'll, a, a different experience. Uh, it wasn't free tickets, but when I saw Willow, the movie Willow, George Lucas, Willow, <laughs> speaking of Val Kilmer, uh, I was it was a packed theater and I sat next to a very large lady who had smuggled in a large, large bowl of gumbo. And she talked, she talked to the gumbo as she ate it during the movie. And I can't tell you to this day if Willow is a good movie or a bad movie. I just remember <laughs> mumbling to the gumbo, you know. It's it's a so. terrible movie, but I can say it's probably the first time that gumbo didn't help. <laughs> I had the yeah, reverse didn't offer me any. Yeah. As a kid, when I was 10, I saw Damnation Alley. I thought it was the greatest movie of all time. Then I saw it recently. It's not the greatest movie of all time. That, that was going to be the hit in 1977 from yeah. 20th Century Fox. But see, I think that's the thing for me is that I really get irritated with... Uh, with with audience uh, or fans supposedly people that go to the theater and they're like i just want pure escapism that's all i want i don't want to have to think a movie i'm like well hell you know like like you're totally missing the point here i think that that you as an audience member has as, as much obligation 
to go right. in there with the right attitude. So there you go. Let's wrap it up. Right. So the top 10 so, we got unanimously James Gunn, Suicide Squad, Sparks Brothers, Power of the Dog, Dune, Not the Green Knight, Bad Trip, French Dispatch, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, Licorice Pizza, Tickle, and Belfast. So we have our 10 and if we had 11, guess the Green Knight would make it, but it won't. Not no, it still good. wouldn't make it. It still would not make it. I so the Green Knight is an honorable mention right. that almost made it. Yeah. <laughs> number 11. <laughs> number 11. George's number one is now number 11 on the list. Uh, all right. So uh, once again, crispycoderobots.com, where you need to go for all our information about the shows, our album reviews, and all that good stuff. So, George, you want to shoot this thing up? Or do we have to wait until it closes up itself? And remember, there's always tomorrow. Especially in Beltfast. If you're in Beltfast, there's always tomorrow, but in Beltfast, there's no tomorrow. But in Beltfast. We don't like suspenders. There is a tomorrow in Beltfast. But in Beltfast, there is no tomorrow in Beltfast. Beltfast, Beltfast. Check, check out the Green Knight. <laughs>